Hi, welcome to How Did You Learn to Do That, where you will hear tips, guidance, and stories to help you to have a fulfilling life and career. The inspirational stories that you will hear from people will inspire you to know that you can create anything you want in your life and it just takes commitment and action. So I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited for you to hear these stories, these guidance and the tips that I'll be sharing. And if you have any questions, you could always reach out to me, info at howdidyoulearntodothat.com. And you can connect with us on social media. We're on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at how did you learn to do that and we would love if you could help us grow and expand this podcast by reviewing us on apple podcasts as well as on youtube and sharing the episodes with your family and your friends and helping us continue to spread the message that we all are deserving of a fulfilling life and we can be the catalysts in our lives to create that all right stay tuned for the next episode Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to welcome Sarah Bogdanova from the Feminist Femininity Project. Uh, she is a femininity and heels coach, dance club owner, alongside her sweet husband. She's a croissant addict and a light thrower for women who are hiding their most confident selves in the dark. And in the past two decades, she's become a world professional semifinalist in Latin style dance. And she has coached hundreds of women between the ages of 18 and 75 to embrace their femininity and to show up with confidence and magnetism wherever they go. I'm so excited to have her join me and share her story today on the podcast. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. So we'll just start the conversation by asking you, how did you get involved in the dance world? Um, and how did, how did uh, the dance club and the work that you're doing as a heels coach and a femininity coach come to be? Kind of the whole story, right? How it unfolded. So I've been a dancer my whole life. Um, and then I turned professional almost two decades ago. So I did that. I became a Latin competitor and I competed for almost 13 years with my partner. And during that time, I was still coaching, teaching couples and teaching women. And I loved working with women when I was teaching them dancing. And some of the things I guess that inspired me was not just the impact dance had on them, but the impact just holding your body differently had on them or dressing a little different or connecting to different sides of yourself that they weren't normally comfortable doing. So that was where I got really passionate about it. And then about six years ago, my husband and I opened up VS Dance Club. And so that was our own ballroom dance studio. And I started doing these heels workshops because I kept getting this question from women coming in, they'd be like, can you teach me how to dance? But can you also just teach me how to walk into a room in heels comfortably and make myself look more confident? So I noticed that this wasn't just for women who are interested in dancing. It was women in general wanted these skills. They wanted to be able to present themselves more confident and feel better about it. So then COVID happened <laughs> now almost a year ago and the femininity project was born out of that. I wanted to take what I had been doing with my ballroom dancing, with my competitive dancing and with my coaching and make this accessible to all women, whether they were interested in dance lessons or not. 
Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I think that is just, it was just a perfect segue um, for you being a heels coach. And then, I mean, with COVID, of course, it's sad that you probably had to do changes to your dance club or close it for a period of time. Um, but then you had this heels coaching business to, to grow and to flourish. And I, um, I think I've mentioned this to you maybe previously, but my sister is one that will wear only heels, you know, and when she was going into the office, it was, she actually picked her, she's an accountant. So she actually picked that degree. And I remember this from a young age, we were maybe grade eight, grade nine. And my mom or dad asked what we wanted to do. And she said she wanted to be an accountant because whenever she went to the accountant's office with my parents, um, they were, all the women were dressed up so nicely and always wearing heels. So she literally picked her career because she wanted to wear heels every <laughs> single day of her life. And, uh, yeah. And so she wears heels all day, every day when she was working. I mean, it's just, it was just, it was very rare to see her in flats or sneakers or anything like that, where me, I have a ton of heels because I find them very beautiful and I always have a goal to wear them, but then I always resort back to my flats and, <laughs> and slide, sliders and things like that. Um, because I just feel, um, you know, not confident or I just feel I walk a bit slower and, and I like to walk quickly. Um, so when I heard that you were a heels coach, I just, it just was you know, an aha moment for me. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, this is perfect. Yeah. You know, so many people need this. Like, I don't think we're ever taught as women. Um, I mean, some women maybe, but, um, I think for the mass, um, majority of women, we're not taught really how to walk in a heel. We're just kind of, we graduate from the kitty heels to a little bit bigger until we find one that works for us. But, um, yeah. So how do you start, um, with someone that is just coming to you saying that they don't wear heels or they're just not confident in wearing their heels? Mm-hmm. I think what you said is exactly how most women feel. Nobody teaches you how to do it. And I feel like there's a lot of feminine, feminine related skills like makeup or doing your hair or a personal sense of style or walking in heels that women feel a lot of guilt around. Like they should just know how to do certain things that they've never been taught. So this course came out of that need because nobody teaches you how to walk in heels. And unless you've grown up being a dancer or taken modeling courses or something like that, you're going to feel either uncomfortable or you're going to have actual pain when you're walking in heels. And it doesn't need to be that way. So this is what this was birthed out of is I want women to feel confident and not just have all these beautiful shoes go to waste in their closet. (laughs) They're excited to rock them. And it, doesn't have to be a trade-off of beauty and pain. If it's that, we got to fix it. There's something going on in your walk that we need to make more comfortable for you. Yeah. I love that because it makes me feel like you can be comfortable and wear heels. It's just, it's just understanding your walk, which, um, you know, it's really the first time I've ever heard that, that you need to just understand your walk in order for it to not be painful because, you know, we always hear, you know, if you want to wear heels, it's beauty is pain and, you know, and I remember for my wedding ceremony, I, um, I was like, this is my wedding. So I'm going to, going to have some really nice shoes. And so I got these, um, and I can't remember the name of the brand, but anyways, they were just, they were stilettos. Like they were super, um, thin stilettos, um, and they had like beautiful embellishments. So they're a bit heavy. 
and my outfit was very heavy also because it was an Indian outfit. And so, um, so I remember I had to walk on grass and I got these little, <laughs> these little plastic, you know, flat things that you put on and I remember losing it as I was walking. So I started digging into the grass and I had to walk on like my, like the tip of my toes kind of. Um, But I remember by the end of the night and there were nude satin nude heels. And by the end of the night, I just, you know, took my shoes right off. And I was like, oh, this was painful. And it was just like, there was blood all over this. It was no longer nude. It was just like a peachy red kind of look. And I was like, you know, why am I doing this? <laughs> you know? And I just felt so, it just felt, I had a moment where I was like, I should have just worn flats and I would have been more comfortable. I could have walked around more. I could have greeted people more. I could have danced more. And, uh, and you know, then the next day, obviously I wore my heels again, but, <laughs> um, but those ones were a bit thicker heel. They weren't stilettos. So since then, I, you know, I've only worn, you know, like wedges or um, thicker heels, but not stilettos, because I guess I have some trauma from that. So what, um, so I appreciate what you say about the walk, but what, um, how do you work with women around their mindset around heels and, and, you know, because there's a lot we hear around, um, you know, the like I'm talking about my friends that work that are servers that feel it's unfair. They have to wear heels as part of their job, um, but the men don't. So how do you work around those kinds of mindset shifts around embracing your femininity and not kind of feeling uh, the pressure to wear the heels, but really enjoying that because, um, because I would love to wear heels just to enjoy it. But I also, you know, for me, I'm like comfort over, pain um but how do you how do you I guess how do you get comfortable in the heels both from a physical stance but a mindset stance um and how you do that yeah I think a couple different things in towards that question first women should decide if they like them and if they don't like them simply because they think they can't pull them off or because they're uncomfortable I would say get the skills learn how to do it properly properly and then decide. So you have the options. And then on the other side of it, I think the definition that women have of femininity is often outdated and not thought through. So women seem to have, well, and I feel culture pushes this, like there's two definitions. There's that old fashioned, traditional, stodgy etiquette lessons type of femininity. And then there's that more modern, super aggressive, a little overly sexualized, definition of femininity and women feel pressure to fit into one or the other and that's not it that's that's just not what I think femininity is everything about a woman is not being put into a box in general yeah I think you have to think through what it is that you want to feel like as a woman and then what are the skills that you need to get to make that come to life yeah and what are your current skills because that in business and anything else in life, you're always updating your skills to get better. It's the same thing with your femininity. You have to invest your time and your thought and in your money sometimes to get the skills that you need to continue to improve it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And, um, I keep saying femininity and I'm realizing how much of a tongue twister it is for me. So I need to practice it a bit more. Um, <laughs> Not just for you. <laughs> it's a tough word. Uh, 
Yeah. And so, yeah, so I love that because there's, there's a lot of, like you mentioned feminine fem, or feminine skills that we, that we have um, and that we kind of evolve and grow into um, mm-hmm. and sometimes with guidance, sometimes without guidance. Right. And so, like you said, like makeup, there's tons of resources and videos and tutorials of how to do makeup um, and, you know, but having like the, the sense of style, the, the confidence, uh, in your sense of style and in wearing heels and all that, I I appreciate you sharing that because that is that is an aspect that we don't we don't always have or we think there's a lot of barriers I guess that we put up as women around you know I can't ever wear that skirt or I can't have that kind of sense of style or um, even yeah. feeling um, you know do you know I remember when I when I was at used to go in the office and I would. Um, kind of blend in with, you know, when I first started my career and I would blend in with just black pants and a blouse um, and maybe a cardigan or a blazer, um, which I feel is like your standard business attire. But I remember Mm. seeing some of um, the, the other women that I was working with who were, who were just embracing their style and and coming in with prints and heels and, and just, you know, so much confidence and, I kept looking at that and being like, I wish I could do that. And I used to think, you know, I can't do that because, you know, I don't want to stand out um, amongst the crowd. But, um, but as you know, as you, as I've grown and built confidence and built um, maturity and just, just understanding my industry and feel more comfortable, I do feel more comfortable kind of pushing those boundaries. But, uh, but I still am, I still question whether I want to do like, vibrant prints when I go in and and I buy those vibrant prints they're in my closet and I want to but I always I whenever I'm about to go into the office I question what I want to wear um to not stand out and and that's not and sometimes I feel like those are just barriers maybe um I put up for myself from you know societal like hearsay or talking or just see how other women react to the women that are standing out so um so when you work with your clients, both at the dance ballroom, and I want to get into your, your yeah. dancing history as well, um, and with your heels and, and, and feminine coaching, do you, do, does a lot of the conversation come around the, the piece of confidence um, and just kind of unlearning some of those things that we've learned as when we were younger and relearning to show up in a more confident way and whatever that means? Mm-hmm. I think some of the biggest changes that happen, it usually starts with one thing that becomes a catalyst to other things in their life. Once you feel success with one element, it gives you a momentum to move on to something else as well. Yeah. You to keep that feeling going, right? With anything, when you feel some success, you want to keep it going. So usually where I feel it hits women the most is once we start to change how they hold their body. So often with not just women, but men as well, there's that crowded posture and this feeling of contraction, not taking up space. Like what you said, not standing out. The head is lower. The shoulders are slumped. You're minimizing just how much presence you can have. But once we address it through body changes, so understanding how to hold your body up, how to create more space between your ears and your neck, how to engage your shoulder blades, we're not actually approaching it from a feeling level right now or an emotional level we're talking about a physical level once they start to feel that opening in their body emotionally it starts to create a trigger they feel more open so 
that's a great catalyst is work on your posture, work on your poise. And you'll start to see more things will become more comfortable when you're able to walk into a room and you're not covering your chest or closing your shoulder blades, you already start to feel a little bit more confident. And then you can put a little print in there if you like. <laughs> Maybe start with a scarf, not a full pair of pants or a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> little sprinkles of it and allow your body and your, your emotions and your physical body to catch up with that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much because, um, I, I like that you think, you know, do it slowly one thing at a time instead of trying to get overwhelmed by doing it all at once. Um, and it's funny because when I, um, when I do wear heels, I, I notice that posture. I notice I'm standing much straighter. I notice I'm feeling much more confident. I'm more likely to actually stand and sit throughout the day. Um, even if I am sitting, I, I have a way better posture and I'm the worst. I have, I am a sloucher. And so, um, so yeah, so I think that that, it actually is making me so excited. I feel like I want to find something to do this weekend just to wear some pants because it's been forever for me. Um, yeah. And I'll share how it works out and how I feel because I feel like I wonder, you know, it's been so long, especially with COVID that I've actually worn heels probably at least a year and a half. Um, so I wonder what it would feel like to actually wear the heels now. And, and after this time and with that, um, you know, that voice that you just shared around confidence and doing it one thing at a time and just taking up space, I think just shifting my mindset that way, I think is going to be great. Um, and so I do want to ask, get back to your dancing history. So tell us a little bit more about how you started dancing and um, uh, from, from being a little child and then how you kind of decided to go professional. Mm -hmm. I was a ballet dancer growing up, so I'd always done that. And then I switched to ballroom in my late teens, ballroom and Latin dancing. And I remember when I went to university, I was taking an economics course and they were talking about basically the opportunity cost of being one place versus being the other place. And I remember every time I was at school, all I was envisioning was dancing. And I was literally practicing in my seat, my footwork <laughs> while I'm in school. <laughs> and then when I, when I was taking lessons for ballroom, the owner of the studio had talked to me and said, am I interested in becoming a teacher? I didn't know that that was a possibility at that time. I wasn't as familiar with the ballroom world as I was with the ballet world. And then it happened. And I think within a month, they hired me into training and the rest was history. Um, oh. Yeah. And I, I found an incredible partner so that that's not something that often happens, like to find a partner very quickly. And yeah, he was, he's one of my best friends still till this day. And we danced together for 13 years. So yeah, it was very special. And I feel very blessed that I had somebody like him to have that adventure with because yeah. you're spending your whole life is that for, for 13 years, it's six days a week. 12 to 14 hour days and traveling on the weekends to compete. So wow. it's nice when you like the person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That's, that's quite a commitment. And um, wow, that's amazing. And I actually, my, uh, and I, obviously I'm not sure how, you know, how much she'll get into it when she does, but my daughter, she's only two, but she has shown a lot of interest in dancing as I'm sure a lot of kids do, but I mean, she wants to dance 
all the time and she'll dance at restaurants. She'll dance at the supermarket. She'll just dance constantly. Um, And so I've been looking at uh, getting her in some activities um, in the fall. And one of them was dancing. And then, you know, and I was like, I don't know what kind of dance she'd be into, but I found a place that does a mix of all the different kinds of dances to kind of see what she'd like best. Um, And then she can kind of go from there, but it's just a whole, as I've been looking into that, I'm like, there's this whole world that I didn't, know about her I wasn't a part of and um, actually somebody I went to high school with she became a professional dancer also and I would always see her outfits and you know her competition videos and all that and it's just so interesting to me um, how you know how she was able to take this and really run with it and um, become a professional and yeah it's, it's amazing I think it's it's a great um, great skill and a great um, ability and there's a lot of commitment that's the that's the thing that I keep seeing um you know and even I mean I don't know much about dance but when I watch Dancing with the Stars and they talk about the commitment that they have and obviously it's a different it's a different thing but um it's just it's like hours and days and days and hours lots of hours and you really have to love it like you said um yeah. and find that partner like you said which is great so so um, now that you've actually transitioned from that to having your own dance club with your husband, um, so how was that um, experience and taking that experience that you had as a professional dancer and now become, using that in your own studio? Yeah, I think for us, my husband's Ukrainian and he grew up, his mom has a studio in Ukraine. So he grew up oh. over there is highly competitive that they start from when they're young he started I think when he was four and very very disciplined when I started with the studio that I was at I took it a competitive route but it was also a very social studio Mm. so a lot of the people who came they came because it was their hobby all their friends were there and we'd have parties every week so what we wanted to do was we wanted to combine both so having that social environment that people came to and they felt like this was their second home but also with the skill level of high level dancing and getting them results as high level dancers that was our mission when we started so we wanted to blend both the competitive and the social world together yeah it was it was really fun it was an adventure when we started we had a busy year that we got married in the summer. We started our business a month later and his family was living with us because they were working, <laughs> immigrating. So you could imagine just the whirlwind of a year that was, um, but it was amazing. I felt like yeah. everything kind of thrown at us and we were able to work through it and decide how we wanted to create our life together and what we wanted it to look like what we wanted our studio to look like so yeah that's amazing and I have to ask since uh, you said your husband's family was was living with you while you were doing all of this did uh, did his mom have um insight into the studio and and what did she think about the social side because you're seeing that in the UK they're very disciplined she did not speak any English (laughs) So, (laughs) so everything was from just seeing it and I think she really loved it um, but again, she couldn't express it in English. So yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. She was actually as a designer as well. So she would do all my dance costumes and she did my wedding dress and wow. So she's, yeah. 
<laughs> how was the I, I know we're going off tangent but I'm just so interested um for your wedding like did you like how was the dancing I'm just imagining that it's just this like beautiful orchestra of dancers because of all the experience there it it was we had a lot of dancers at our wedding but for our first dance we wanted it to be more just simple and yeah and it, it was still beautiful, but it wasn't this, we both have had competitive careers where we have lots of choreography and yeah. we wanted it to be a show. We wanted it to just be us enjoying Aww. moving together. So yeah, it was freestyle. We didn't choreograph it. We just had our song and we danced. Wow. That's amazing. That's so romantic. That was nice. That was so nice. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think like if I could my husband has like two left feet he can't dance if his life depended on it <laughs> no okay so this is one thing that I would for all the women listening <laughs> this is a learned skill so often especially men here they'll say oh I have no rhythm or I have two left feet all of those things can be taught it's if you, it's like learning a language. If you've never learned the words, how are you going to form sentences? Yeah. Exact same thing for finding rhythm and being able to move together. My advice would just be make sure that you get a good instructor. And it is very difficult to start with group classes, especially for a man. So if you can get a, a private lesson with somebody, you're going to have the most success in the beginning. It's not as overwhelming. So, yeah. Oh, for all the men that, and women, <laughs> so there's a there's a goal for us once once we can to to actually learn to dance. And I think that would be so fun, and um, you know, it'll it'll give us something to work towards, and it's a great uh, date night or date activity to do weekly. Um, it would be so much fun. Yeah. And so, um, so what has happened since COVID? So did you have to close your studio? And so how did you shift that um, piece around? Yeah, I don't think any I don't think anybody could anticipate how long this was going to go on. No. So when we initially closed the studio, we're like, "We'll see you in two weeks, guys." <laughs> <laughs> nope. So everything moved online, um, which has actually been kind of nice in some respects. Like we've noticed that our clients have really got ownership over their own dancing because they're in their living room and they've had to learn a different way. So it's not that I can just physically kind of put them in positions and help them understand. They have to intellectually understand and put themselves in that position. Wow. Quite fascinating. I felt that their dancing has improved dramatically in different ways than we would have anticipated. So that's been nice. And we've also created online subscriptions. So we've been able to reach people who aren't just in Vancouver which initially we were focusing on kind of our local clientele mm-hmm. and able to touch people at different parts in the world. So, yeah, that's incredible. And, uh, and, you know, if you are still taking clients, I'd love to share it. So send me the link to, to your dance club and I'd love to share it as part of this, the show notes here. So everyone listening can uh, tune in and, you know, it's always a, it's a great great thing to learn and it's it's just I feel like it's very connecting for for couples at least what I think for my husband and I would be yeah. but um great and so so I'm just um wondering if if 
when you were in that economics class and you were you were listening to that opportunity lost and yeah. the cost of that and um and all of that and then you decided to kind of make that shift into becoming a teacher and that and taking that path and taking it professional what would if you could go back to that moment um and where you were kind of obviously probably debating what to do continue in your schooling or to take this position um, and start teaching. And if you can go back to that moment where you could talk to yourself and, you know, really give yourself some advice or some tips now that you you're on this side, um, what would you say to yourself? Because I know there's probably a ton of folks that are in similar situations where they're in that in between of, you know, do I dedicate here or is this costing me a lot of opportunity time? And do I, do I dedicate to what I want? I think once I heard that class, that was actually my last class. So I made the decision right away. I knew it in my gut. Um, for me, what I have always found is if I am tuned into that and I have good people around me that help support and nurture that, I do well. When I start doubting it and I start putting myself into a box that other people may view work needs to be or life needs to be that's when I've gone wrong so if I was talking to myself at that point I would say write down this exact moment when you listen to your gut and make keep that as a guiding force because it was solid it it was when other people's noise got in my head that's when I found I I would struggle yeah 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 continuing to protect that and I view life as you, this, this is our one time on this planet and the rules that we make up are the rules that we decide of how we want to live our life. And people who kind of say against that are usually afraid, right? It's something that scares them. And I don't know, I don't want to be living in fear. I want to have a really yeah. full, adventurous life. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Um, that, uh, you know, I, I appreciate what you say about just being in tune with yourself and really knowing yourself and had that, well, once you heard that, just being, it being your last class and wanting to pursue the life that you've always wanted and not allowing fear to get in the way, because it's true. It's just a lot of the time we think, you know, what if I do this, what is going to happen here? And it's a lot of what if, what if, what if, um, but we just need to commit to it a hundred percent, um, and just see it through and see what we can do on our own. And my husband, actually, he, um, he was in a full-time job and just recently he actually was, you know, has, has this business idea. And recently he was like, you know, what do I do? I'm working 12 hours a day, five days a week. And he hardly sees our daughter. He would see her about 10 minutes every evening okay. during the week. And so he was kind of really struggling with that as well. And he was like, what do I do? And I said, well, I mean, you should just quit. <laughs> like you should just quit. And he just, he couldn't understand what I was saying because I believe like you, that you should live your life on your own terms. And, you know, time is the only commodity we never get back. There's nothing, we all have the exact same amount of time in the world, no matter, you know, how wealthy you are or, or where you at in life or in your business or in your job or whatever, we're all, it's all equal. Um, yeah. And so I was saying that to him and I was like, you know, if this is something you want to see through, let's do it. And, um, and he was really struggling with that because there's that societal expectation, that fear of, you know, 
what do, how do I provide for myself or my family or how do I create income if I'm not working full time and whatnot? And um, so he ended up actually quitting on, like, on that, the day that we talked about it. He actually decided that next morning um, that he was going to quit. And it's been the best decision for him because he's just been able to have more flexibility, be around our daughter more, um, finally focus and be passionate about showing up to work every day um, mm-hmm. versus dreading it. Um, but there's still that, um, he actually got a job offer last week that he declined this morning and he was again contemplating. And I was like, well, what's your goal in life? Like, what is your purpose? Why did you quit your last job? Do you want to go back there? Um, and so he obviously declined it, but, uh, when we talked to our parents about it, he was talking to my dad and his dad on the weekend about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they couldn't understand that, <laughs> you know, that yeah. he was quitting with nothing to go to you know, yeah. that he was quitting just to create something on his own. And I think it's just a shift in the generational mindset um, and really focusing yeah. on what you want. And so, um, so yeah, so when you, when you said that that was your last class and that you made that decision, and I think that takes a lot of, a lot of strength and willpower also, because I mean, there's always the what ifs and there's, and I always say to my husband, I was like, there's always the low hanging fruit that you could literally just grab and have, and it will satisfy you for the moment, but it doesn't help you yeah. in the long term. So, so yeah, so I really love what you, you said and the commitment is great because you're, you're now pursuing that and living that life of purpose and passion. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. I, I think there was also a knowledge though, that I, I could make money no matter, like I knew that whatever I could do, I could go get a job somewhere. And I just wanted to keep in mind what I'm actually working towards that. It's not, you get in autopilot and just your life lives basically without you, you know, you're just doing something. So making sure that I knew what my goal was and school yeah. at that point was taking me away from it. Yeah, exactly. And I, I appreciate that too, because that's exactly, um, was, was very deep in my decision making too, about starting, starting my own business. It's just that the cyclical thing, you know, it's like every year we go through kind of like the same things over and over again. Whereas when, uh, when you have your own, um, thing that is purpose-driven or passionate, um, whether that is being an employee, because you can be passionate about your job, or it's having your own business or pursuing what you want to pursue. Um, even though sometimes it could be a cyclical thing, it's just, it comes with so much passion and so much purpose that you find so much adventure in it um, yeah. and so much love in it um, and growing it, you know? Yeah. So you'd really never get bored. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I really enjoyed having this conversation. I want you to actually share a little bit more about your Heels Master Course so that everyone that's listening can learn more about you, about the course you offer, and how you can actually help any women or any men who know women that want um, to gain more confidence in their femininity. Sure. So the Heels Master Course is designed to take somebody from the very beginning, somebody who's never worn heels and take them all the way to Beyonce level if they wanted to take it there. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) it's a five lesson or five lesson course. The first three are based on mechanics. So mechanics is understanding how to move your body, what your leg action should be, what your footwork should be, how to line up your posture. And then the next two lessons are about your personal style. So how you can create a walk that communicates the message you want. So for example, if you need to go into a boardroom and you need to be powerful and have a really strong presentation, 
what body positions and what walk accompanies that the best. And then if you want to have a more sexy walk for date night or a little bit more flirty, what type of hip movement, what type of styling elements will give you that look. So that's what the whole course is based on. It was, there's a statistic that it takes four seconds to make a nonverbal first impression. And then five to 15 seconds after that, once you open your mouth. So those first four seconds are based off of how you look and how your body moves. So this course is designed to get your body moving in a way that the message you create is what you want. Yeah. Wow. I'm just, I, I just am feeling like I'm learning so much, um, you know, that you can actually with the way you move, walk into a boardroom and kind of feel that powerful stance and that confidence. And, um, and you can obviously walk differently when you're on a date night. Um, and that's, you know, it's amazing. So I'm excited. I'm excited that you're offering this course. Um, and I'm excited for anyone that is listening, that's going to join, um, the course. And so, um, I will share all of Sarah's social media as well as her website and how you can actually learn more about her course on the show notes, um, and in the podcast links as well. So thank you so much for sharing your story, Sarah. I've learned so much and I feel like there's all these things I want to go try out this weekend. (laughs) Let me know how it goes. Thank you so much. I will. I'll have to actually dig up um, some of my heels from the garage because I packed them away. (laughs) (laughs) Now's the time to practice, right? When everything's still closed, this is the time to get the skills. Yeah. When everything's closed and it's, you know, lower chances that I'm going to run into someone I know, (laughs) you know, and I feel like when I, you know, if in case I fall or something, but it's a good, it's good practice because, you know, once, um, you know, once COVID is up, there's going to be a ton of weddings in our, in our family. Cause my husband's family is huge and my family's big too. So there's a lot of people just waiting to get married. So, um, so I'm, I think I'm thinking 2022, 2023, there's going to be so many weddings. And so I think it's an absolutely amazing time to practice now to, to get back into it. And then, you know, and I feel like, and I don't know uh, if you're getting the same sense, but I'm feeling like once COVID is over and we're able to kind of resume a sort of normal Mm -hmm. um, with vacations and parties and stuff, I feel like people are going to really make an effort in their fashion and their style and in their confidence, because in this time of COVID, I've heard that and I can't remember where I heard this from the statistic um, I heard, but um, I heard that a lot of people are spending this time looking inwards and reflecting and really understanding themselves and connecting with themselves and building that confidence and shifting that mindset. And so it'd be amazing to see what happens after because they'll take that confidence, like you said, and they'll show up and I feel like there's going to be a resurgence of people wanting to present themselves um, as the best versions of themselves in the most confident way that they, that they want. And I'm excited to see that. And I'm excited for everyone to really enjoy the parties and really appreciate the gatherings because uh, it was taken away for so long. I think this is one thing too, that COVID has kind of taught because everybody for the first few months sort of gave up on their rituals and what they like to do and they put their life on hold. And this has gone on for a long time. You can't put yourself on hold. You can't put your life on hold for this extended period of time. Yeah. So, even with a lot of my friends, they they started dressing up for themselves because when you put effort into you, you actually produce better. You feel more confident. You you show up. 
And when you stop doing all those things that made you feel powerful, like your sister's story, if she stopped wearing heels just because she didn't, she couldn't go into her office, she still needs to find the occasions. When she goes to the coffee shop, put on a pair of heels, still show up for herself and do the things that she loves to do. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, And it's just that I'm feeling like uh, it's, you're giving me all the confidence to go out this weekend in my heels. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll let you know how it goes. You know, if I, if I feel more, um, you know, because I feel like there is a sense of, there's something that kind of takes over and I, I don't know if it's confidence or just feeling powerful or feeling, feeling more feminine. Um, but there's definitely something that kind of happens whenever I wear heels and I, and I'm sure that happens for a lot of women and, um, and, and just, yeah, I think it's just, it's little things that are just so powerful. It's a trigger. So that's one thing that women can set up in their lives to connect more to their femininity and to show up in different environments, feeling different ways having those triggers. So heels are a super powerful one. Like you said, the second you put them on, you start to hold yourself differently. Lipstick could be another one. If you're not feeling super bold, but you need to have a little pick me up, put on a bolder color. That's something that can trigger you out of the state. You notice with men, often it'll be a watch. It's like a Superman or a superwoman costume, getting some (laughs) triggers up in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I love that. Because I remember in university, one of my friends actually said that to me once was like, you know, when she wakes up and she feels not very well, or she's not looking very well, or, or she just doesn't feel happy in her body. She just puts on a lipstick and she said, that makes me feel so much better. Um, and that's always stuck with me. So I love that you share that. And uh, yeah. And I think that exactly, if you're, if you need a bit more of that connection to your feminine um, side and your femininity, you know, putting on some heels and putting on a bright lipstick and just maybe pulling that print out of your closet and putting it on and just, you know, really feeling excited. And that my husband actually, I wore a hot pink uh, sweater this weekend and my husband was like, Oh, it's nice to see you in a color. And, and I was just like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, ever since quarantine's been, it's been like the nudes and the blacks and the grays and whatnot. And, and I realized that that's just, um, you know, I don't wear the bright colors, um, as often as I used to. So, um, it's kind of, yeah, having this time to experiment and to really understand your style and who you are and what you feel confident in. I think it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Great. Have fun with it. This yeah. Perfect time to experiment or to get some more skills so you can feel like you can express your, your style more. Mm-hmm. One thing I learned, I always, I've never been great at makeup. And it was one of those things that it was in my head of, I should just know how to do it. This is, this is what I teach. I teach women, (laughs) go get the skills you need. So I hired somebody and I learned and asked all the questions that I needed. And it's become such a beautiful part of my morning ritual. Now it's something I enjoy and it taps me into my femininity and it's just a five to 10 minute routine but I have so much more confidence when I do it yeah yeah that's incredible um I really love that and I and I'm feeling really excited I actually I'm gonna go tell my husband he has to take uh, me out on a date this weekend <laughs> so I can I can test out what I'm feeling um and all of that and there's actually um a restaurant that just opened down the street from me it's called Haven um, in Langley. And, uh, yeah. and, and there's a lot of people that are now going there for date nights and Karen bone bond, um, actually designed that 
restaurant and she created these booths which it's only for two people but um the vibe and the colors and the the prints and everything she used it it just gives everyone that fun feeling of like a confident date night like a fun adventurous date night and so they've been super successful because of that and and I remember hearing the story and hearing them talk about the design and the intentions behind it um and having date night be kind of like this big thing behind it um and when I walked in, I was like, oh, yeah, totally. Like, this place is a date night place, and it's so beautiful. Um, and you should check it out. It's called Haven Langley. But you can you once you see the designs of the place, then you'll understand kind of, like, what I mean. But, um, yeah, I feel like, for some reason, I feel like femininity uh, and date night, and I feel like going there, <laughs> you know? And so, so what you're saying and everything that you're saying about, you know, the prints and the confidence about your style and putting on lipstick and, and putting on your heels and feeling that power, um, you know, it is really powerful because if, if a restaurant can design their restaurant with those similar intentions about bringing that vibe back up, um, yeah. I think you could do it for yourself also by using the tips that you've shared. And I think that that's very exciting for a lot of us that are, you know, feeling like we're just in one home and just stuck here over the last couple of years um, and feeling like we want to get out and experiment a bit more. I think you, I've noticed on your Instagram, you share a lot about how to prime your mind and your environment to be productive and set up the type of day you want. I think it's exactly the same thing when you think about your femininity. Think about your environment and the habits you're creating. So you can tap into that quicker. So what, one simple thing that I, I tell some of my clients to do is when you're getting ready in the morning, make a playlist, a playlist that makes you feel beautiful. So for me, I, I love French music or I love bossa nova. So I will, I'll have 10 minutes where I just listen to that music as I'm getting ready and instead of it being a task oriented thing, it's now a beautiful ritual in my day. So continue to build on the habits and that environment that you want to create to nurture your femininity, just like you yeah. need productivity. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Those are amazing tips. And there's just a lot of lot. Yeah. Like you said, there's a lot of ways you can shift your mindset just by the way you present and the way you set things up and the way you frame your environment. Um, yeah. And it's so exciting. So thank you so much for sharing all the amazing tips and, uh, and if anyone is going to take these tips and try it out, make sure you tag Sarah and you tag me um, on your Instagram post so that we can help share and to encourage you and to inspire you to continue to build that confidence in yourself. And if you're interested in Sarah's course um, or the content that she offers and, the, and you want to connect with her, I'll link all her social media, like I said, in the show notes, as well as on the blog. So you can check her out there. Um, and again, thank you so much for sharing everything that you've shared today. Thank you for having me. This is so great. Thank you so much for listening to the end of that episode. I hope that you have learned something from that episode that can have you getting closer to a fulfilling life and career. There's so much out there in the world that you can learn, you can experience, and you can apply to your current life that will help you start making those little steps towards a career that you love and that you're inspired by. 
So I'm excited for you. I can't wait to hear what you're doing. I would love for you to share with me over on our social media, or you can send me an email and let me know. You can visit our website, howdidyoulearntodothat.com for the show notes and for blog posts and to hear more about what we're up to. And of course, we would love if you could help us grow by reviewing us on Apple Podcasts as well as on YouTube and sharing with your family and your friends. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye.